there's, there's no greater love that one can know outside of Jesus's death on the cross on their behalf. And, and the reason I said this is good news, this is good news for those who are single. This is good news for those who may never marry. This is good for those who do not have children. It, it's good for them because they, it means that you can still know true love, the love of Christ. It doesn't mean that I have to have a spouse to know true love. It doesn't mean that I have to have children to know true love. By knowing Jesus Christ himself, whether I'm single or not, I can know true love, the love of Christ. And it is this love that Paul says, this love of Christ, it is this love that Paul says, it controls him. He says this in, in 2 Corinthians 5, 14 to 15. He says this, he says, for the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died and he died for all so that they who live might no longer live for themselves might no longer live for themselves but for him who died and rose again on their behalf so what does this verse in second corinthians teach us about the love of christ it teaches us that if you encounter christ and his love you should no longer be the same it means that encountering Christ and his love should disrupt your plans. It should change your goals. It should change your ambitions. Your life should, can, can never be the same after you meet the love of Christ. Why? Because it is the greatest love. It is the greatest love. You know how we say in society? In society, we say um, love will make you do some crazy things. Well, it's the same thing with Christ. When you meet Christ and his love, guess what? His love will make you do some, what the world calls crazy things, like saying no to, for example, premarital sex because you understand the, the holiness of God, or like spending your Sundays in fellowship with the saints while the world is sleeping, or doing laundry, or, or going to farmer's markets, or for other people, it is going overseas and doing, uh, and doing mission work. For, for others, it is doing justice at pregnancy centers and women's shelters or in tough neighborhoods and, and schools on a weekend on your day off see the love of christ when you meet it it changes you and makes you do some air quotes crazy things as the world may see it it's the love of christ and this this love christ along with god's glory guess what church it, it stands at the center of the old testament and the new testament and thus the center of the bible i want to remind you of isaiah 53 in isaiah 53 testament we find the suffering servant who who bears our grief and and carries our sorrows who is smitten by god and and afflicted who is pierced through for our transgressions and who is crushed for our iniquities and and jesus in the new testament is later identified as that servant he's the one who is willingly um, with love being a motivation, not only the motivation, but love being a motivation, going to the cross, taking on our sins, and, and giving us his righteousness to all those who believe in him. Jesus is that suffering servant. Now, for some, we can barely make it. 
through the first few verses of Isaiah 53 without pausing and melting as we think of the love of Christ, as we think about him being crushed and, and beaten for our sins and our behalf, as we think about him taking on our iniquity, we can, we can barely make it through Isaiah 53 without just going, um, losing ourselves as we, as we begin to ponder on the greatness and the love of Christ. But for others, we're not so affected by the cross of Christ. The cross is something that we learned in Sunday school. And we are now on to bigger and better things. That's a, a way that we look at it. And, and this really brings us to our text today now in, in Paul's prayer and petition that we would be given strength and ability to comprehend the love of Christ. See, it is not that we have come to understand the love of Christ and the gospel and now move on to bigger and better things. No, it is just the beginning. Because now that you have been rooted and grounded in love, as Paul says in verse 17, and to be rooted and grounded in love is to be rooted and grounded in Christ and the gospel. Now we can begin to actually explore this love and to see the breadth of it, to see the length of it, to see the height of it, and to see the depth of this love of Christ. Now, Paul, in, in describing the love of Christ, he's, he's using here in verse 18, he's using architectural or construction language to describe this love of Christ. And this is really very typical of the Apostle Paul, because as we just seen in verse 17, when describing how we are rooted in, in love, he also says we are rooted and grounded in love. And that word grounded is referring to a foundation. So even there, Paul is again using that construction or architectural language as imagery to show us how we are rooted and grounded in the love of Christ. But Paul is not the only person who likes to use architectural or building language to describe something that's beautiful. But the Bible does as, as a whole. The Bible often, or our writers in the scripture, they, they often use dimensions when they're trying to describe the glory or the, the majesty of something. So for example, in Revelation 21, verse 10 to 23, um, you see John being shown the New Jerusalem, or the, or the angel of God, he, he shows John this New Jerusalem. And, and as New Jerusalem is coming down from the sky and, and landing, what do we find the new angel or the, the angel doing there in Revelation? That, that angel, he pulls out a measuring rod, right? That's what he does in, in Revelation 21. He, he pulls out a measuring rod and he begins to measure the dimensions of the, of the city. Why? So he can show the, the glory and the grandeur and the grandeur or, or the size of the city. So he, he's using these measurements and dimensions to show how wide, how big and how glorious this, this new city is. So we see there again, dimensions being used to, to show the glory of something, the majesty of something. We also see that that same type of construction or building imagery being used also in the book of Ezekiel and in chapter 40 and beyond. There the dimensions of the temple are given. And, and, and so these the, the dimensions of the temple are given to Ezekiel so that Ezekiel can go back to the exiles and describe the new glory of the temple and to give the exiles hope. And, and that is the same thing that the apostle was doing right here with the love of Christ. He, he wants the Ephesians to see how big and, and how glorious that this love of Christ really is. And so Paul is pulling out his measuring tape and he's beginning to measure the unmeasurable because he wants the Ephesians to see how glorious the love of Christ is. So he's using the same language that the Bible does to describe glory and showing the dimensions. 
And if, if we're going to use a building analogy, basically uh, another way of looking at verse 18 and 19 together is, is this. In verse 18, Paul is inviting the readers to, to see how big the building is. If you, if you imagine you're on the outside of the, the, the World Trade Center, which is the largest building in the U.S., you're standing outside of the World Trade Center and you're standing back and you're looking at the size of the mention and the height. And you're like, whoa. But in verse 19, Paul is inviting the reader to actually enter into the building and to explore it and experience it themselves. So there's two different concepts that Paul is playing with here. One, he wants us to see from the outside the dimensions and the glory of the, the, the love of Christ. And then in verse 19, he wants you to go inside and actually experience it and, and know it for yourself. So where you can really see and know this, this love and majesty of Christ. And so that's what we find the apostle doing here. He wants you to do both. To see the scope and size of it and be overwhelmed with it. But also to actually entertain it and go in and experience this love. Now. Before we go a little further, I must point out that Paul in his construction language here, his architectural language, he doesn't actually identify what he's describing. So when you look at the text here in Ephesians 3.18, it says this, um, that we're rooted and grounded in love, verse 17, and may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, length, and height, and depth. Notice he doesn't describe what he is saying. Verse 19 just goes on and says, and to know the love of Christ. But Paul doesn't identify what he's describing there. But most Bible scholars and many Bible translators believe, including myself, that Paul here is describing the love of, of Christ, which he, again, later identifies in his next petition, which is verse 19. And for others, if, it, if it's not the love of Christ that is describing with these dimensions, many see the alternative thought is that Paul is describing the church as he did in chapter 2, where he's calling the church a building, and he's asking for the believers together to know the, the, you know, the depth, the width, the height, and the, um, the length of the love of Christ. But I don't believe that's the correct, under, that's the correct view of this text, because that, would really be, that wouldn't fit the context of the prayer. Um, when you look at the prayer as a whole, it would really be out of context, especially seeing that since Paul last addressed the church as a building in chapter two, we're now in chapter three towards the end of it. And again, as you look at the prayer as a whole, it doesn't seem to fit because when you go and look at this prayer in verse 14, where it starts, he begins by praying to God to do something in us, right? He's praying that for God to give us strength in the inner person so that Christ may dwell in our heart by faith. And then next he goes and he reminds us that we have been planted in love or planted in Christ by the Father. And then when you skip over 18 and go to 19, he, he goes to verse 19 and he's praying that we will experientially know the love of Christ. And finally, he ends with the request that we be filled with the fullness of God. So the, the prayer as a whole is really centered around us getting more of God himself. He's the subject, and not so much the individual members that make up the church. So that's why it's Paul is, I would say, is here. He, he's describing the, the love of Christ. So in describing these dimensions of Christ's love, Paul is basically telling us then that the, the love of Christ is explorable. That's one of the key things I want you to see that Paul is showing us by him showing the dimensions of Christ's love. He's telling us that the love of Christ is something that is explorable. It, it, it has dimensions. 
which is why it is so foolish and almost sinful to say, I understand the gospel now, let's, let's move on from this. No, we can't say that I understand the gospel, now let's move on from this. No, we have not even reached the tip yet because there's, there's so much to explore and see in the love of Christ in the gospel at the cross. But in order for us to really see this love and to explore this, this, this love, it's gonna require that we get supernatural strength to comprehend it. And so that is Paul's petition for us, church. That is his petition for the Ephesians. And that is his petition for us that God, according to the riches of his glory, may grant you and I strength to comprehend the breadth, the length, the height and depth of the love of Christ. See, th this word for um, strength that the Bible is using here, I was gonna try to pronounce it, but I can't. <laughs> it's just really hard. But, but this word that uh, is used for strength that my Bible translates as to be able, and the NIV translates as to may have power, it's only used one time in the New Testament, and that is here. And, and this word means to have strength or the ability to do something. So strength or ability to do what, you should say, right? And that's the strength or ability, as Paul says here, to comprehend, which in the Greek is katalambano. So he's, he's, he's praying that the Ephesians and Christians as a whole, as a group, will be given a strength or an ability to comprehend katalambano, the, the, the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth of the love of Christ. Now, let's look at this word, katalambano. Like I said, I, I love this word. I just love it because it just rolls off my tongue, and it sounds like I know Greek when I, when I really don't. But th this word, katalambano, it, it means to seize. It means to uh, aggressively snatch something and, and, and just make it yours. And the, the best example that I give of that is, I always say, like a three-year-old with their favorite toy. You ever seen a, a little baby with their favorite toy and, and they grip it and they're like, mine, mine, right? See, that's Catalambano. They are, they're gripping this toy and they're saying, it is mine. I, I have seized it, I have wrapped my arms around it and I'm making it mine. So that, that's Catalambano. Um, another good example of, of, of Catalambano would be this. Um, a few years ago, right, church? Some of you guys remember, there was a, a couple from Iran, right? And they, they came to the church, they were fresh from Iran, suffering persecution because they had converted from Islam and they became Christians and, and they came to the bridge. And, and I remember one day church, um, they were in the, the kitchen part of, of Pastor Brian and Sister Debbie's home. And, it, and I'm in a part where we, we meet for fellowship. And you hear this loud scream like, a lady's just going like really loud. And so I, I go back there and this lady, she has the, the Bible clutched in her arms like it's a baby. What had just happened was Pastor Brian had, had given her a Bible and she was so happy and excited. She screeched and she, she clutched this Bible. And as her friend was trying to grab it, she had the Bible like a baby. And she was going like this, like, no, this is mine. See, that, was, that is Catalambano. She, she, was, she was seizing that Bible. And she says, no, that this is mine. I'm wrapping my arms around it. And I'm now making it my own. And so that, that's what it means to Catalambano something. Another place where we see this word being used is in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. And, and that is where Paul talks about how Christ has seized us. Here Paul says this, 
He says this in Philippians chapter 3.12. He says, not that I have already obtained it or already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of Catalambano, which also I was laid hold of Catalambano by Christ Jesus. And so what, what Paul is saying is that Christ Jesus has catalambanoed him. Christ Jesus has seized him. Christ Jesus has gripped him and made him his. And so he just wants to grab a hold of him. So that is catalambano, church. Beautiful words. Now, now, let's add this up. When you add up the first word in the Greek, which means to, to, to have strength or ability, and you add up catalambano, Paul's petition is that we be giving a, given a supernatural strength an ability to explore the love of Christ and to make it ours. That, that, that is Paul's prayer petition for these Ephesians. That God gives us a supernatural strength, a supernatural ability to be able to explore and to know the love of Christ and to, to make it ours. And this means, church, that without this supernatural strength, and Paul is praying that God the Father will give, guess what? the love of Christ is not going to be grand to you. The unbeliever is going to see nothing. They don't get it. They're saying, why are you Christians so obsessed with this Christ, fella? Why are you so obsessed with the cross? See, they see no glory because they have not been given the strength and the ability to catalambano's Christ's love, to, to comprehend it. That love is only given to the saints by God's grace and mercy. So that's why you can't just stumble upon it. God has to give you that ability, that, that, that strength to really seize it and to grab it. And church, saints, God has given us that grace and mercy. And that is why you right now know the love of Christ. That is why you are in love with it. That's why you never want to leave it. God has given you the strength to comprehend it. Well, not all of it, because it's something that's totally uncomprehendable. You, you can never reach the bottom of it. But Right now, he's giving you ability to really know it. And so, church, you should praise God if you are in love with Jesus and you know his love. So that's not something that everybody knows. Now, how do I say this? Now, as a teacher of the word of God, my knee-jerk reaction when reading this text is application, right? I'm thinking, okay, what application or what example can I give to show how you apply this scripture um, and how I can encourage the church or the body of Christ to begin exploring this, this love of Christ? And, and that knee-jerk reaction generally leads me to say this. Tell the church to go ahead and just get in the word, right? If you want to grow and, and, and wrap your arms around this love of Christ, then you need to go and just get in the word and, and study scriptures, and then you will grow in this love. You will be able to catalambano it. Catalambano it. But, church, that is not what Paul states here. And, and if you fully look at the historical context of this letter, guess what? There was no full scripture for the Ephesians to go and just study and, and grow in. At the time where Paul is writing this letter, the New Testament is not fully compiled. All the Ephesians had was this letter from Paul, maybe some of the other letters that he wrote to other churches that were, circul that were circulating, and that was it. They did not have the full New Testament to study. They did not have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They did not have John's letters. They didn't have Peter's letters. Revelation was likely not even written at the time. And guess what? Maybe only one person in the church 
may have had one of the Old Testament prophets' texts. So they didn't really have much scripture or literature. The point that I want you to see, or the point that I'm trying to make in this verse, or about this verse, is that this text here, guess what? It is extremely charismatic and spiritual because it is saying that your ability to comprehend the breadth and height and length and depth of the love of Christ is a truly spiritual work of God. Guess what? That you really can't explain. Guess what? You can't go to seminary and find it. You can't just go and YouTube it. You can't just go to a Christian bookstore and purchase it. Sure, we, sure we, have, we have tools that we can, um, we can use um, and that can, that can help us grow in our, in our knowledge and, and understanding of the love of Christ. But one of the best things that you can do, according to Paul, is what he said in verse 14, and that is to fall on your knees and you pray to the Father to give you a supernatural strength to comprehend or catalambano, the love of Christ really one of the best things we can do. Literally, it's prayer and asking for supernatural power to come upon you to help you to comprehend Catalambano, the love of Christ. You ever wonder why, for example, why people who in history were barely literate had such great relationships with Christ? Guess what? It was not because they read a whole bunch of Christian books. It's not because they read a whole bunch of Christian podcasts, but the, the God that had catalambanoed them through Christ had given them spiritual strength to catalambano the love of Christ. It was truly a spiritual, almost uh, charismatic event, church. See, sometimes we act as if we need a super spiritual human teacher to bring us into the love of Christ, or that we have to read the, the latest Christian book from our, our favorite writer to go deeper into the love of Christ. Those are things that are, are tools and can aid. But please, church, as Paul does, start with prayer and a petition. That's what Paul does for the Ephesians. That is his prayer. His prayer is that, Father God, you do it. Father God, you do it. Father God, you give them the strength to go ahead and catalambano and know the, the depths of Christ's love. God, you do it. Paul is recognizing that he doesn't have the power. He doesn't have the human ability to do it within himself. So he's praying on his knees, asking God in his mercy and his glory to go ahead and, 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 and show this or give this strength to the church. Let him give you that strength. Now, I know the thought could be, well, or some would say that, Brother Jerome, I've been doing that, right? Right? I've been doing that, and I'm, I'm still not growing. I'm, I'm asking the Lord to just help me to grow deeper into his love and help me to experience and know Christ's love in a, in a deep way. Well, I want to remind you, always going to go here, what, what Christ said in, in Matthew 7, Sermon on the Mount. He says, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. And these verses here that I just quoted you, they're grammatically written to suggest continual asking, continual seeking, continual knocking. 
So yes, continue, church. Continue asking. Continue seeking. Continue knocking. And guess what? God will open the door to you. And your growth and your exploration into the love of Christ will look something like this. Maybe you start with just the basic elementary understanding of the gospel, of, of, of Jesus Christ, his life, his, his death on your behalf. And you're like, whoa, Christ died for me. This is a, a, an amazing love. But then as you continue to grow in your understanding of his love, you begin to see the holiness of Christ much clearer. And you begin to sin, you begin to see um, what he left, and the, uh, he left the unending praise of heavenly hosts. Why? To come to earth to experience death on the cross for you. Now your understanding of Christ's love grows even more. You see how now you're beginning to explore the depths, and you begin to see how big and how great uh, Christ's love is. Or, then, or maybe you begin to grow in your understanding of your own depravity. And, and you see how wretched you were in your past life. As our sister was just going today, and she was just sharing her, you know, how she was just living in the world, doing all of these crazy things. As, as we begin to grow in our, in our Christian walk, we begin to see how wretched our old life was, how, how wrong some of the things we were doing. And as we begin to look back on our past and we realize how wretched we were and how Christ yet still died for us, guess what? We begin to see, whoa, Christ's love is even bigger than I thought. See, the walls of the love of Christ begin to get even taller and, and the room begins, begins to get even bigger. Have you ever gone into a house where you go in there once or twice and then you come back and you, and you say, whoa, did the ceilings get a little higher? Did the walls get a little taller? Well, it looks like something is changing in the room. And that's what happens here with Christ. As we begin to just, just walk in him and God gets a supernatural ability, we begin to see things a little clear. We begin, as I said, to see our, our wretchedness. And as we see just more of how, how sinful we were, we should see how holy he is. And we see the, the depths of his love and we begin to explore and just are in awe with this love of Christ. See, that is us. That's why when you begin in Christ in year one, it should look a lot different in year 10. That love, you, you should be a lot deeper. Because maybe before you were only just looking at your sin, but now you're just seeing how bad your sin really is later, years later down the line. And now you're saying, whoa, this God still loved me. Wow, Christ's love is amazing. Look how wretched I was, and yet he still died for me. And, and look how wretched I was, and yet he still has made me his own. He still has made me an heir to the throne. I, I have my, my entrance into the kingdom of God. Whoa, see, your, your, your love of Christ begins to grow as God gives you that supernatural strength to contalambano this love. Exploring these dimensions. Explore these dimensions. You begin to see that Christ's love is it's just so big. It's so grand. This love, it's a love, guess what? That is without bounds. And as Pastor Ryan said in the beginning, it's a love that we're going to be able to experience for eternity. So that's why when Paul is praying for us to understand the, the dimensions of it, really the dimensions are boundless. You are forever going to grow in your knowledge and understanding of this great mighty love that happened on that day in the cross. And not just at the cross, but just in your personal life. As God brings you out and he brings you through, you begin to just know more of his love. You begin to see more of his favor upon your life. That's the love, church. That's the love that Christ is, or that Paul is praying that these Ephesians would know. He wants them to get their arms around it and make it theirs. So church, 
there's one application that I have for you. If there's nothing else you got from the teaching today, it is to go and pray and ask God to help you grow in your understanding of this love of Christ. So just to help you comprehend it. That's it. That's, I said all of that to encourage you to do that. That's just what Paul did, right? He said, I'm praying to the Father that he'll give you strength to comprehend, to wrap your arms around it and seize it and make it yours. So I said all of that to say, pray that prayer, church. Pray that prayer not just over yourself, but pray it over the body of Christ. Pray it over other believers. Because this is what this, you, you got to go back. Think about the, the whole point of this prayer. Paul starts to pray this prayer because the Ephesians, remember, they were getting discouraged by Paul and him being in prison and all of that, being in prison and locked up. And Paul starts off by one member praying for their inner person to be strengthened so Christ will dwell in their heart by faith. And then he next prays that they will be, that they will know the love of God. So he's praying that Christ dwells in their heart and that they would know the love of Christ. That's what he's praying to a church that may be fearful or discouraged, lacking courage. It's knowing the love of Christ. It's having him dwell in you. It's knowing the love of Christ can help you to overcome fear that you face in this life. It can give you strength to move on. And that's why Paul is praying this for this church. In church, as you come up to challenges in life, you're going to need to know the love of Christ. You're going to need to know that nothing will separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You're going to need to know that. You're going to need to know this love. Because it will encourage you. It will keep you from going forward. So again, church, if nothing else you take away from what we said today, the prayer is that you will fall on your knees today, tonight, and call out to the Lord, asking him to give you spiritual strength, give you spiritual ability to comprehend something that's incomprehensible. You can't just get on your own. Asking him to help you make the love of Christ yours. That is my prayer. That is Paul's prayer for you, church. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for just loving us, God. Thank you for sending your son, Lord God. Thank you for giving us strength to know this love and to continue to grow in it, Lord. It is our water. We are that tree planted by streams of water and your love, your gospel. That is what we find ourselves rooted into, Lord. Thank you for giving us life, Lord, through this gospel, through this love. How we know that as long as we are rooted in you, our leaves will never, never wither. We'll continue to produce fruit. So we thank you for that, Lord God. Thank you for planting us in love. Thank you for planting us in your son, God. Lord, help the body, your children, Lord, understand this text even more deeply, God. Lord, bring more personal application, Lord, to make it clear or to clear up anything that I didn't make clear, Lord God. Continue preaching this sermon, Lord God, the body of Christ, as they go throughout their day, today and throughout the week, Lord. Help them to go deeper in understanding this great love that you have and is found in your son, Jesus Christ. This is our prayer, Father. Thank you. 
authority in the name of Jesus, we come to you. Amen.